Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. It's Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's uh, Monday. I know. It's a long way to Friday. I, <laughs> I, I like saying TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, in the studio with us, we have one common sense Democrat. We have uh, Judge uh, Weinberg, common sense Republican, uh, Congressman Peter. And John, I say thank King. God I'm back with all of you. TGIF, thank God. I say TGIM, thank God it's Monday because go. I have a job I, and I'm you. sitting here with you guys and having a great time. The number one show at 5 o'clock and, uh, and uh, we are out here just to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tell what is it? Truth, justice, and the American way. We got a great show for everyone now, today. Don't say it too loud. He'll put up Superman music. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> what <laughs> do we have today? We're going to be speaking to John Faso, and if you recall, he led the fight with Ed Cox on the whole redistricting. Oh, and- uh, it's uh, we need a gun. It's we- going to be round two. It's going to be Jerry Nadler against Carolyn Maloney That's in the primary. Crazy. That's what it looks like today, and. John Fasso is going to talk to us about that. That's that's going to be the two of them. And then we'll also be speaking with the GOP chair of New York State, uh, Nick Langworthy. We'll also be talking with Jeff Weisenfeld. You left out Bert Flickinger. No, I was going to save him. For, I'm, saving, I'm saving him. I have Jeff Weisenfeld about CUNY Law School radicalization. Bert Flickinger on the baby formula. There's some breaking news on that front. But first on the line, saving the best for last, Bill O'Reilly. He's a journalist. He's an anchor. He's a prolific author. Is he a million books yet? Yeah, of course he's got 20 okay. million. His book is already Killing the Killers, number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. Bill O'Reilly. And he also has a show every every night, Monday through Friday, 9 o'clock, Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, right here on WABC Radio. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, I think I'm going to do Rita Cosby, too, right after my show at 9. Rita's invited me on her show at 10. So it's a big WABC day today. Yeah, he was uh, The ratings are going to the, to the moon. As Ralph Cramden would say. Absolutely. Zoom. All right. So, uh, Buff- Buffalo, what are we talking about today? All right. So, uh, uh, the lead story tonight is whenever this violence breaks out in America, it looks like it's a, on a four month cycle here for us. Every four months, we have some loon go in and shoot innocent people um, for uh, horrendous reasons. You know, our last one was a subway shooter, a black man went in and didn't like white people and shot up the subway. So now we have some 18-year-old kid who apparently uh, was involved with some Internet white supremacy stuff, go in, and he uh, murders 10 people in Buffalo, black, two white. And Biden's involved, and, and the narrative from the left is that we live in a racist country, number one. They peddle out all day long. And number two, white supremacy is the main threat against Americans. Now, having written Killing the Killers, I hope everybody checks that book out, all facts, 
you compare killing the killers and the people who are overseas wanting to kill us with the people here who are doing damage. But the main thrust of my reporting tonight is tomorrow Biden goes to Buffalo, as he should. And he should meet with all the families who lost people in that horrific shooting. But he's not going to Milwaukee, where 21 people were shot over the weekend. 21 people after the Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Boston Celtics. Now, we tried to find out, out of the 13 people who were arrested in those shootings, what ethnicity was of those people. The authorities in Milwaukee will not say. Nor will they say. This just happened, Bill? I, I I didn't read about it. Saturday. Saturday? How many people died in Milwaukee? 13? None. 21 shot. 21 shot. And, John, the fact that you didn't read about it says a lot. It shows that it's no, nowhere I, near being listen, publicized the way yeah, Buffalo is. I'm the assistant to the assistant of the assistant news director, so I should know about it. No, you well, listen, but this can't is, blame this you. is the can't point. Blame you. Yeah. This is the point. Biden goes to Buffalo, but he doesn't get on Air Force One to go to Milwaukee <clears throat> after. Is also, there a reason Bill, for that? You know, last Unbelievable. Year, and what about Wakasa? Right. Didn't go there. Wakasa, that was clearly a racist, a racist attack by, I mean, by an African American, and has never yeah. been mentioned the at all Christ, by the Biden. Christmas parade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the narrative is, and the new press secretary, um, Jean Pierre. Yeah, Karine Jean Pierre. Jean Pierre. I have never seen a more racist individual uh, in a public appointed to a public position in my life in the history of this country. And in, and Bill, it's Richard Weinberg. How do you appoint somebody supposed to be the press secretary and give impartial, dispassionate views of the administration when she has all these biases and prejudices? Well, she's 43 said- times on television, according to New York Post, 43 times she branded Republicans, beginning with Donald Trump and on down, as racist. So... And that's a good point that the judge just made. The White House press secretary is supposed to represent all the people, speak to all the people, not just Democrats or liberals. And here's a person with a provable track record who has used the R word, the racist word, to demonize people with whom she disagrees hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And she's the new press secretary? So then it all comes back to my most important theme of the day for the cat show. We have a president now who, if you had him in the studio with you guys and you asked him these simple questions, why would you want to appoint a woman like that with a history of demonizing people on skin color? Why aren't you going to Milwaukee after you go to Buffalo? Joe Biden would not be able to answer those questions. He would not be able to provide a cogent answer to those questions because he is not able now in his state of life to think that deeply about anything. And that's why these far left progressives who run the White House are getting away with this stuff. And Billy, you know, these progressives make race the issue. They never talk about the fact that certainly here in New York, almost all of the attacks and Asian-Americans are carried out by African-Americans, that there's so many cops being killed by African-Americans. We want to turn it into that, at least be balanced, at least discuss why these things are happening and not make it out that we're just this institutionally racist country. It's really disgraceful. Well, there's, a lot, of, there's a lot of bias. Bill, I don't know if you know about this, 
It, it just came. It just came out. You know, the uh, the jury pool in where Durham is uh, prosecuting the case against Sussman, the Clinton uh, lawyer, yep. the Clinton campaign. Turns out that three of the uh, potential jurors are people who contributed to either AOC or the Clinton campaign. How do you put people on a jury like that? I would have thrown them off for cause. I mean, what so are they the doing? the lawyers of the Justice Department didn't object to those people being on the jury? The, the, the article is not clear, but the judge can do it for, for cause. Well, Steve, you know what you're getting into down there. I mean, Peter King knows that better than anybody. That's not really part of the United States, Washington, D.C. That's a whole different universe apart from everybody. Um, but I think what people need to understand at this point in history is that we have a chief executive, the president of the United States, who is incapable of making decisions because he is incapable of understanding what's in play. And that's pretty damn frightening to me. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if what's more frightening, the fact that we have President Biden in the White House or Al Sharpton once again acting like being a race baiter that he is on MSNBC. You knew that the left wing media was going to co-opt this this moment, this movement and hang their hat on it to perpetuate and and continue to bolster their narrative that the United States is filled with white supremacists and that are they're the greatest threat now facing our democracy. It's 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 so sad. And this, again, it comes off killing the killers because the United States has done a very good job surveilling and assassinating the top leaders of al-Qaeda, ISIS, Boko Haram. Very good job of that, and that's what the book is about, how they track them, how they kill them. Inside the United States, the terror situation is run by the FBI. The CIA and the NSA don't have any sway. They're not allowed to operate on U.S. soil. You would think if the, all of the white supremacists were causing all this violence, that the FBI would have them perp-walked, right? Mm-hmm. Would be doing raids all over the place, would be knocking them back. You would think that would be happening, right? It's not happening. So is the FBI white supremacists, is that what's going on? See, this is just, it doesn't stack. Yeah, follow it, the data. Yeah, it never stacks. And the reason that the far left, the progressive left, is trying to demonize America as a racist country is it wants to break down all traditions, destroy our founding fathers, destroy capitalism, destroy the educational system, and build up this great socialist, uh, secular platform. Destroy our borders. What yeah. do you always say, John? We're under attack. We are well, under attack. And Justice, Justice Clarence Thomas just said that the Supreme Court will not recover from this leak because they've broken down confidence in the Supreme well, Court. Pelosi basically now accusing the Supreme Court of being anti-freedom, okay, off the Roe v. Wade thing. But So she's accusing the justices, the conservative justices on the court, as being fascist. Not, not, they don't respect American freedom. And this is a Speaker of the House. So anyway, I'm just praying that in November all these people get thrown out with a big thud. Well, we all Americans that love America have to stand up side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and say enough is enough. We have to save America because there's a lot of people out there that don't love America. And we're not using the T word any place, but the T word is appropriate sometimes. Uh, and uh, we just have to make a change at the uh, – the, uh, the Congress wants to know what the T word is. 
<laughs> hey, can I ask Peter King a question? Yes. Can I, can I ask Peter King a question? Yes, sir. You got any use for Nadler? Uh, Come on. <laughs> First of all, uh, I, I would never vote for him. I actually worked with him on some 9-11 health bills, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But he's not a guy that I hung out with in Washington or spent a lot of time with. But, again, on the 9-11 health care bill, I was able to work with him, and he got things done. But, uh, no, Bill, Jerry is so far to the left, so far to the left. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it really is. No, he is and he's so part of the problem of the violence in New York City. So oh, I don't yeah. have much use for Maloney, all right? But I, I, I would vote for her over Nadler if I was in that district because Nadler has gone so crazy, so crazy left. He didn't used to be that way, by the way. Uh, he was just, uh, he was when just he a was liberal. a chubby guy. Yeah, he was a liberal. And yeah, it, when it he must, was a chubby. Must be, he's not getting he's his chocolate Al- milk. He's on that Al Sharpton uh, diet. You know, along, along with all the weight, he lost Bill. his mind. Yeah, Bill, so he lost I, his I weight to, and hate, his mind. I hate to admit, I ran his borough presidency campaign in 1984. Okay. He okay. wasn't a bad guy in 1984. John has just pled guilty with an guilty. explanation. Bill, I, I think Carol Maloney right now has the edge, and uh, the, the best indicator of that is that Nadler wants to bring an action saying that the district was badly drawn. So uh, you don't do that unless you feel you got yeah, the if you think you're going to win, you're, you're, yeah. you're happy the exactly. district is badly yeah. drawn. Yeah. Um, but, Bill O'Reilly, what are you going to talk about at 9 o'clock today? All right, so I'm going with the uh, Joe Biden camp process and the information. Then i got a really good guest tonight who's going to tell you exactly why everybody's got a 10% tax of course, is inflation. So why we're all paying more than we paid 16 months ago for everything. And the guy's good. I mean, the guy really lays it out so everybody can understand how this administration came in and lit this fuse that has blown up working class and poor people because they're now paying 10% for what they need to live. And I think that's a very instructive segment, so I hope people will turn into uh, Common Sense at 9 and then catch me on Rita Cosby's show at 10. I'll be listening to both. I'll be home by then. Don't work too hard, John. We need you around. (laughs) Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. uh, See you. Thank you. Uh, let's take, is John Faso or should we go to Yeah, Faso's on the line. Okay, let's, uh. Let's go to John Faso. Now, where's the gong? No gong? Round two. Okay. Round one. <laughs> round one. Jerry Nadler against Carolyn Maloney. Mm-hmm. Who wins, John Faso? That's a good question. I think the people will win because we'll have more fair congressional districts around New York State. Okay. Give us an, uh, give us the analysis overall. What's going on? Uh, you, there's a proposal out. You had, uh, draft, for, you had a draft line. Uh, yeah. Out. Uh, give the overall, the big picture to all our audience. Uh, big picture is that uh, we won the litigation overturning the unconstitutional Democratic uh, districting lines in New York State for the state Senate and for Congress. And the special master who was appointed by the court to draw, redraw these lines, he released his preliminary maps today. The maps are uh, certainly creating many more competitive districts around New York State. Um, we estimate Republicans under this plan could win between 8 and 11 seats uh, in the state um, in a good year. And uh, we, we believe that these maps overall serve the public interest because it creates much more political competition in our state. And whether or not a Democrat or Republican wins these congressional districts, frankly, is going to be up quality of the candidates and and the determination of the people 
in these districts. But this is a much better situation than what the Albany Democrats had given us. And John, John, this is Pete King. First of all, congratulations on what you did. I was just telling people on Long Island, though, that Andrew Garbarino's district is going to be much, much tougher. It definitely favors Democrats. Yeah, those things happen. And overall, there's no doubt the Republicans benefit from this because, as you said, there are going to be much more fair districts. And some of those crazy districts, like the one that they had Tom Swazi's district going, going up to uh, Maranek, that's now entirely within Nassau County, almost entirely that was within a five Nassau County, County district. Which makes sense. Yeah. That was a five-county yeah, district. Right. And I, th- I think specifically, as t- uh, Pete, as you talk about uh, your old district, which Andrew Garbarino represents now, um, there are a couple of things that we think need to be uh, corrected in that, in that uh, draw that the master did, and we're going to suggest those things. And we think that that will uh, certainly keep the political competition there, but right. also make it a more cohesive southern uh, South Shore district um, that you you represented so many years so ably, and that Andrew was there now uh, working well in that district as That's well. That's good to hear. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot. And again, overall, you guys did a great job. You're really, uh, I think the whole country was shocked by what you guys were able to bring out and show in court. Well, it, it well, looked we, like, look, you have a Democratic uh, uh, um, judges, but they wanted to do the right thing, which is the honorable thing to do. Well. Yeah, John, John, you're right. I mean, the people passed a constitutional amendment in 2014. Our, our late great friend Ed Koch was instrumental in getting that passed. And it said that you can't draw lines to favor one party or candidate over another party or candidate. And the Albany Democrats, uh, Mike Gianaris, uh, the state senator from Queens and others, they led that effort and they ignored what the state constitution says and what the people voted for in 2014. And that's why the courts slapped them down, and, and they have only themselves to blame for the fact that we are now in this situation. But there'll be an August 23rd primary for Congress and for the Senate. There'll be new district lines. It'll create more political competition in the state, and I think overall it's in the public's interest uh, for this to occur. John, will the statewide races still have the primary in June? Yes, the statewide races and state assembly will still have their primaries in June. They were not affected by this court act action. So it's only the congressional re- uh, and state senate, and state right? Senate. I understand, John. It's Richard Weinberg again. I understand that they brought an, an action in uh, court in Manhattan on the assembly lines. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so, I do. I, th- I think it's way too late. And this was the problem. They tried to uh, intercede in the uh, the action which we brought upstate against the uh, congressional lines and the state senate lines. And we brought that action on February 3rd, the very day within an hour of when Governor Hochul signed this unconstitutional gerrymander. And these parties waited three months before they did anything. So I think that's their problem. Uh, You know, I'm sympathetic to what their cause is, but at the same time, you have to follow the rules. And it's just like in baseball, if you're if you're down by a run and, and it's the ninth inning, you can't say I need 10 innings to play the game. John, what's going to, John, what's going to happen with petitions? If if someone filed a petition for Congress or state Senate, what the court and the Board of Elections came up with, they will be able to use those petitions for the new district. And if a new candidate comes along, there are requirements now that they can go out and circulate petitions for these new, newly created districts so they can qualify for the ballot. But candidates that filed under the old districts that were ruled unconstitutional those districts, uh, those petitions can still be revived, if you will, by filing a certificate with the Board of Elections 
to say, I now want to run in this Senate or this congressional district. So it's it's kind of like a Solomon-like decision that right. they made. Um, but a new candidate coming along and could say, well, I, I, I see these district lines now and I want to run. Well, they've got to get cracking and over the next few weeks, start petitions to get on the ballot. Well, John Fasso, thank you so much, and uh, congratulations on the work you guys did to, uh, to have a fair and honest uh, situation in, in Albany, in New York City, in New York State. Thank you so much. And we're going to have to take a break, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon. Great talking to you, John. Thank, thank you, John. Thank you. And when we come back, Bert Flickinger, and he's going to give us the latest breaking news on baby formula. You don't want to miss this. And inflation. You don't want to miss the real price of Oreo cookies. <laughs> breaking news when we come back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. On the line for us right now is Bert Flickinger. When it comes to inflation, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to goods, Bert Flickinger is your man. Bert Flickinger, I saw that there was some uh, breaking news regarding the formula fiasco that's going on in our country that Abbott says it has now reached a deal with regulators to restart production at factory tied to shortage. So what does that mean for parents out there? It means for parents, there's hope for the fall, uh, Lydia, but not much hope for the summer. The whole inventory in the market's been depleted because the cost of baby formula can be up to $100 a pound. Uh, There's a real shortage of inventory in the stores, the warehouses, the manufacturing plants. So like the Wyeth uh, baby formula plant closing in 2002 uh, that affected millions of of cans and packages, uh, this crisis is going to go on for months. And Lydia traces back to communist China from 2008. First, uh, they they reportedly killed uh, thousands of cats and dogs. They covered it up uh, because they didn't want people to know about it before the Beijing Olympics. And then uh, since since then, this is a quote from uh, Time magazine, uh, 20% of the uh, land in China uh, for growing is contaminated, uh, but food safety in China is far worse for animals and people in China itself. Uh, Brian Walsh reporting, this was reported in 2014, and Lydia, the government in the U.S. has had at least 14 years and arguably 20 years to get ready for this crisis before, during, and after COVID. And yes, good news on the plant. Uh, but if, if the if the biggest uh, country in the world, mainland China's, uh, reportedly killing dogs, cats, babies, uh, people with melamine, which is uh, the common denominator in this tainted product, uh, what it does it uh, artificially increases the nitrogen uh, content to uh, mask the uh, quality control uh, with higher protein, and the the casualty count here just horrific and we've known about it and it's been publicly reported uh for decades and we haven't done a darn thing about it wow so where do we get the extra baby formula so the kids don't starve and also i understand that uh laboratory or that production facility was shut down and they weren't really guilty (laughs) uh we're we're guilty john in the abbott uh, plant in sturgis michigan that you're referencing it was uh, an issue in another part part of the plant, uh, but the uh, government government in in the U.S. has allowed an oligopoly of really two, maybe three major baby for, formula plants, and 
firsthand from our clients in New Zealand uh, that uh, people are going from uh, Beijing and all over mainland China to Auckland and Christchurch every weekend uh, to to buy millions of dollars of baby powder that they're shipping from the New Zealand post offices back to mainland China. Excuse me, and and baby formula. It's Richard Weinberg. How come the FDA and the Biden administration won't allow us to import so we have a sufficient amount of baby formula for our kids? Why do we have to wait till the fall? Judge, as usual, you're bringing up uh, the perfect point because uh, New Zealand and uh, countries where there's free competition on baby formula, you have 11 uh, certified uh, baby formula manufacturers, including uh, Dannon, big dairy company, much more Nestle, uh, and uh, all the other major dairy producers, whether it's co-ops or corporations, and you're completely correct, Judge, is that we should allow the competition and the import, uh, but we've allowed these oligopolies and virtual monopolies to take place, screwing consumers, babies, and, and shoppers' standard of living, and uh, letting the Chinese export too much product uh, without quality control, which is killing everybody from people the pets, and it's been going on for decades in this report in Time Magazine and elsewhere. This is so scary. Uh, what do you think about the Burt, Burt Flickinger? What do you think about the fact that the White House is sending out so many mixed messages? On the one hand, they're saying, oh, it's the formula is the due to the factory and this and that. What is the real reason behind this formula shortage? Uh, the real reason, Lydia, is the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission has been asleep at the switch for uh, 25 years, allowing uh, non-competition, uh, non-innovation, and uh, whether it's the CDC or the government-regulated health agencies in, in Atlanta and Washington aren't doing their jobs. If you let the colleges of agriculture, whether it's Cornell University Ag School, where I teach, uh, with Betsy Bin, uh, one of the top food safety experts in the country and the world, or Michigan State or UCAL Davis, uh, you could uh, certify the baby formula from overseas and allow competition that would be quite vigorous. And like John says, in the energy industry, you could drop the price overnight. And uh, baby formula with competition, you could drop the price 70 to 80 percent within a year. Wow. With uh, much better safety than uh, we get from this melamine-tainted uh, product that the Chinese people are even scared of buying baby food from their own, own uh, mainland Chinese manufacturers. And uh, people, uh, the imported uh, food in China is is pervasive, but most of the people can't afford to buy imported baby food, so they have to risk buying painted, uh, contaminated product uh, from manufacturers that have been able to get away with this uh, from uh, people, the pets, for too, for too many years and too many co- cover-ups. And in my professional opinion, these cover cover-ups May may have uh, uh, led led to the to the to the COVID uh, lack of over oversight by not properly monitoring uh, product uh, and research coming out of mainland mainland China, which has been so wrong for so many years. Wow! What about inflation, Bert? What's the story on inflation? Is it, is, it, is my Oreo cookies going to go even higher? Yep. By the way, oh, yeah. I'll give you the translation Oreo, of that. Oreo, Gasoline Oreo went up. Uh, crude oil went up today again. Gasoline is going to go up, and that means Oreo cookies going to go up. Go ahead. You talk. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, John. And, and um, 
Uh, the uh, Rural Farm Report uh, for today uh, posted limit up on uh, wheat, grains, uh, live, livestock, uh, India, the country of India, which is so important for uh, producing grains, is having a massive product shortage, as obviously uh, Russia, Belarus, uh, Brazil, and Argentina. So you're, you're going to see the price of grains uh, go up 100%, uh, 150% or more. Uh, for some and livestock uh, go, going up some more, sort of the judge's key question, food inflation is reported by the government, uh, 10 to 11 percent in the most recent report on its way to 20 percent and on its way even higher for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, Kwanzaa holidays at the end of the year. Uh, Bert Flickinger, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for coming on and we want to have you on more often so you can tell us what the hell is going on. Just following your good lead, John, and uh, you're and the judge and Lydia. You got a great team with Matt, your producer. You you got you guys uh, re- really really uh, call it right in protecting the consumer and protecting the people. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I understand uh, Dan Garodnik, Commissioner Dan Garodnik, is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to have him on as a councilman all the time, mm-hmm. and now he's a commissioner. Uh, Dan Garodnik, how City are you? City planning in here in New York City. I'm good, John. Good to hear your voice. Congratulations. You're in charge of city planning, so you get to say how many 200-story buildings we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. I, there's not a ton of appetite uh, for those, but, uh, but yeah, I suppose you're probably right. Tell us your vision and tell us your discussions with the mayor and his vision, and what do you think? Uh, you know, if we get crime under control and we're building and building again, what are we going to build? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you're you're right to start off where you did. And I think the mayor's laser focus on the point that uh, in order for us to have real economic recovery in New York City, we need safety. Uh, and he is uh, devoting uh, all of his energy to making sure we get that right. And you know he has a lot of energy. Uh, but as it relates to city planning and as it relates to our agenda here, you know, we're just coming out of what has been a terrible crisis. Um, we lost some population. Our unemployment is higher than where it was in 2019. Our subway ridership is down. But the, the interesting thing about all of it is that people have started changing their habits somewhat in New York City. Uh, you know, there has been uh, an increase in economic activity in uh, parts of the city that historically, you know, did not see a lot of weekday uh, economic uh, activity. Uh, you've seen parts of the city like Astoria, Jackson Heights and Flushing, which added 700 new businesses in 2020. Uh, and uh, a lot of local economies are bustling in New York. So what we are trying to do with city planning here is we're trying to recognize the moment that we are in, uh, you know, appreciate the fact that some emergency uh, band-aid solutions like flexibility for restaurants, for outdoor dining or open streets, uh, that these have been some very popular initiatives that we should lean into and find ways to make sure they have real enforcement and real good design guidelines. It also means that we need to think about uh, the way people are living and working uh, going forward. Not everybody uh, will be commuting to an office five days a week. We do not expect. Um, Certainly that is reflected in current office use, what we are seeing. Um, So we're trying to build what we call 15-minute communities and a 60-minute 
city where people have access locally in their neighborhood to everything that they need, good paying jobs, uh, they would have local parks, they would have the ability to, to, to go to a great school uh, for their kids, a health clinic. But then, of course, you know, when they need to or want to enjoy the rest of New York City's wonderful offerings, uh, cultural institutions, um, uh, our, our restaurants, our world-class opportunities uh, for dining, for uh, Broadway shows, they can access everything within 60 minutes. And that means a great mass transit system that works, uh, that is reliable, and of course is safe. So we're trying to, to recognize the moment that we are in, uh, allow for some of the changes that we're seeing around the city uh, to be embraced and even to be enhanced as we think about, we think about planning. Uh, Commissioner Janine uh, uh, Rodnick, City Planning, thank you for coming on. And we're going to have you on more often. And and tell us what the heck is going on in our city, because we love our city, and, and our city is going to make a comeback, and you're going to be part of that comeback. You know it, John. I appreciate that. We're right there with you. We'll be delighted to come back anytime, and uh, we're, we're poised for recovery, and we're going to uh, help get us there. So thanks very much. Thank you, and congratulations again. Let's take that break. And when we come back, uh, we will be speaking with Chairman Nick Langworthy. A Buffalo. Yes. He lives there. Absolutely. So more on that shooting and keep it right here. Cats at night. John Cats and the Tears. 77 Well, we're back. And there's a lot of things mm-hmm. happening in New York with us uh, today is uh, Chairman uh, Nick Langworthy and uh, he lives near Buffalo, and Nick, Chair, Mr. Chairman, what what the heck is going on up there? Well, uh, thank you for having me back, John. I, you know, it was a senseless tragedy that we experienced last weekend uh, with uh, the killing of of ten of our uh, our fellow residents. Um, you know, because you know they happened to be African American, and somebody drove three and a half hours from. Uh, the Binghamton area to, and targeted this supermarket on the east side of Buffalo, which is heavily concentrated section of African American population in our community, um, just senselessly murdered people. And it's just, it's been a, a tremendous tragedy. And uh, I was actually at the location today with Congressman Zeldin, who flew in, and Joe Pinion, uh, who's running for the U.S. Senate, who came to town to pay their respects. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time today with, with, uh, you know, victims, families, and people from the community that are grieving. And, uh, I mean, people like this, I mean, he he shot a cop on the way in, and he killed that cop, the retired cop. And, I mean, it's just tragic. And, and, um, uh, you know, that's why our law and order system, uh, Peter King, our law and order system, we got to, you know, people like this, they got to go away forever. John, you're right. I'm sure that Nick would be the first of all, Nick, it's always great to talk with you. We'll be the first to agree. Our law and order system in the state is broken down. And, you know, the Democrats can try to make a partisan issue out of this. But the reality is we have to restructure law enforcement. We have to let cops do the job. We have to strictly enforce the laws. And it's really shameful the way the Democrats are trying to politicize this rather than facing up to the reality, whether it's bail reform, whether it's just, again, uh, this is a symptom of what's happening in our society today, and it's a breakdown in law and order. So, Nick, I really wish you the best up there. This must be tragic for you and this all your friends. This guy either has to go to the chair. I wish <laughs> the cops would have just shot him. And did it. Oh, I mean, the guy's killed. Well, kill I, I think 
we I think we all in the Republican Party are standing with Congressman Zeldin's proposal to, you know, reinstitute the death penalty for these hate crimes or any, you know, sort of murder against a you know law enforcement officer or a first responder. Uh, it's just common sense, and we need a deterrent so people aren't going to do this. I mean, this guy was strapped with three guns. You know, uh, some of the weapons illegal in New York. It doesn't. He didn't even care about the New York State gun laws. I mean, he 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 came in there with the intent. To and, and some and, and some of the people are blaming guns, but there's a lot of sickos in this world. These there's we a lot of sickos in this world that will never be reformed. No matter how much reform you want to give them, no matter no matter how much mental health uh, classes you want to give them, they're never going to do. They're never going to reform, and they don't belong in a civilized uh, city or country. I couldn't agree more. And uh, GOP Chairman Langworthy, why wasn't there some sort of red flag? This kid, uh, he threatened to blow up his school. He was sent to a psychiatric facility for a day. Very concerned about that. Yeah, how did how does this uh, happen? And, and yeah, I think we've got to have some. Answers out of Miss Hochul and her administration. And how about the Attorney uh, General, Nick? Yes. All of them. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they've been very quick to have a bunch of press conferences, but, you know, this, this young man was deeply troubled. Um, you know, obviously, I want to know what the hell his parents knew, but also, you know, the authorities had been involved. He spent several days in a psychiatric hospital last year and said he wanted to do harm to people and himself. So this, this he should have been under very close watch. Nick, How was this able to be done? I mean, there's, there's, these people are old answers. These communities old answers. You know, for us to get past this, there's got to be justice, harsh justice. Nick, it's uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I think uh, your comments are correct. There are two issues here. Number one, there's the creation of a climate of lawlessness where anything goes and people have no self-restraint and the system is not restraining them. That's number one in terms of bad actors. Number two, you have the mental health crisis where they shut down the mental health hospitals because they thought it was the nice thing to do and they're not protecting the public against people who are dangerously mentally ill. So the two things that have to change in this state and this country, number one, Bring back law and order and public safety. That's priority number one. Number two, if people are mentally ill and they're a threat or a danger to themselves or other people, they have to be institutionalized. The money has to be spent for treatment and to keep them in, give them the meds they need. That's what we have to do. Otherwise, we're going to have this conversation over and over and over again, Nick. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this was an extremely hateful individual. He was a white supremacist. He had hate in his heart. I'm just like, you know, in Brooklyn in the subway, we had someone that was part of a dif- different ethnic nationalist group that was trying to hurt and kill people. You know, it, 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 we have to stop these people. We have to make an example of these people. And if you want to terrorize our state, our community and the taxpayers, you need to pay a swift and harsh price. And that's why I support Congressman Zeldin's plan to bring back the death penalty for these mass killings. Uh, it, it has to be done. We have to have a deterrent out there to send a loud and clear message that we're not going to stand up for this anymore. But what about the school officials? Why didn't they alert the FBI or something that this kid wanted to blow up the school? Like, there's just so many lapses here well, in there, judgment. There was a file on the FBI, I think. Was there a file on this kid with the FBI? Then what did the FBI, why didn't they do anything? We should condemn all all violence, uh, I regardless. Think this administration. Yeah. The, the, I mean, certainly the state police were involved. The governor's administration's got a lot of questions to answer. She's got a lot of press conferences all of a sudden, but and she wants to lash out at social media and bl- start laying blame. 
it, you know, we need to know what's in the files. That's right. Uh, we need to know the facts and how big a threat this was and why was this young man allowed to have uh, access to weapons and, and all of these things in his home. I, I, I want to know what the parents, it, I, my heart might break for him, but it also might be a situation where how did this happen in your house and you didn't know what was going on? We agree. We agree. I mean, you have a child that's it, mentally it, it, ill and violent. You lock up those guns. And if the parents didn't do them, then you lock you, up the parents. And you go to law enforcement and you give them the heads up so that he can or be you, monitored carefully. You give and them if, your guns and you give them the heads up. You prevent your child from committing mass murder. I, I don't understand. I mean, he, he went in there with a GoPro camera. I spoke to the Erie County Sheriff who's watched the video. He With a GoPro camera strapped to a tactical helmet, he had tactical gear on. And bulletproof vest. He thought he was in a video game. And by the way, and why? He says, why well, you is see it, the video? That's what it looked like. Why is an ordinary citizen a video game? Yeah, I saw. I no, saw. No, I was on but, Twitch. No, yeah, but this the is the question: Why is an ordinary citizen, not law enforcement, not the military, why are they able to get tactical gear to protect themselves? How is this not a red flag, an alert that this kid was amassing these weapons and buying tactical gear? No, it's it's a long way to a long way to go. You know, it's. It, it, there's, there's, yeah. there's way more questions that have been answered, and you know this is you know a time where I, we've tried in in this community not to make this a, about the partisan divide. We have to have the community come together and 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 heal, but at the same time, justice needs to be done, and people yeah, need to this know this guy should go know, to the chair as soon as possible. And we yeah. have to create and we have yeah. to create an environment that would protect it against. Evil and the mentally ill. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chairman, before I mean, we take is... the break, before we take the break, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, today they had the uh, the probable redistricting or the uh, they had uh, the preliminary lines. The preliminary. Our first draft uh, is out. Do you, yes. you know, you're the chairman of the uh, New York State GOP. Uh, do you think this is more fair and square than the original one? I am absolutely elated. I think that we have, uh, you know. This is one here. That's all we've wanted is a fair shake. Uh, the politicians got boxed out of this. I mean, the Democrats went so far and tried to, you know, take Republicans out of existence in most parts of the state, and it blew up in their face. We, you know, at three different levels of the judiciary, and they tried in federal court, and we stopped them there too. Uh, what you have here are fair maps. Uh, you know, I think there will be some tinkering here for the final product, but overall, you got a fair product. You've got swing districts where the voters actually get a say. And it's a wonderful thing where we're actually going to have competitive seats in parts of the state and almost every single marketplace and media market in the state where you have fair outcomes possible. And, not, and that's you know, what, that's what everybody wants. It was a whole commander. <laughs> whether, whether, listen, whether you're, you're uh, running as a Democrat or Republican, I think everybody wants fair and square elections, so everybody feels good, good about it. Nick, this is Pete King. With that, if somebody could take another look at Andrew Garbarino's district, that got changed pretty drastically, and John Fassler said they are going to look to see if there can be some some adjustments made. But overall, great job in the state. Congratulations And, and what's the guys. issue Garbarino has with the, the lines you were saying? Well, it's, it goes so far north. There really, there's very little connection between the north end of the district and the south end of the district. It really breaks the communities up. But again, I want to congratulate Nick on the it's job they've perfect. done overall. Yeah. And I think John Fasso and Ed Cox uh, have been champions 
this from the very beginning. I want to give them full credit for, uh, you know, the infancy of this program all the way to the end. Uh, you know, our former chairman, Ed Cox, and, and John Fass, a former congressman, they did a magnificent job yes, they did. working this all the way through. Mr. And, chairman, um, go ahead. And, and, you know, it's not going to be perfect. And it's not going to make everybody happy, but at least the voters get a fair say. Nadler, not just a wait, wait, round two, close. gong. Nadler versus Maloney. Who would you vote for if you were a Democrat? <laughs> I'd jump in the river. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, and we'll catch up with Maloney. you again real soon. And we're Thank gonna, you very much. Thank you. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with uh, Jeffrey uh, Weisenfeld. And he's mad as heck, and he can't take it anymore. Of uh, the anti-Semitism going on at the law school at City College, and and we'll we'll find out what the heck is going on. And we're going to say goodbye to Peter King. He has an early dinner to get out to. You got to go all the way to Nassau County for that early oh, dinner. Oh God, good luck with that traffic. Congressman, see you on Wednesday. Let's take a break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis show, Cats at Night. Before we get to our next guest, we also wanted to pay our condolences to former Governor Jim McGreevy. His father, Jack McGreevy, a proud U.S. Marine, dedicated advocate for military veterans, he died on Thursday. He was 93 years old. He was married to his wife for over 60 years. So it's pretty incredible. Wow. It leaves behind wow. quite a legacy. Jack McGreevy, father of Governor Jim McGreevy, has died. He was, Jim McGreevy, I know. I never knew his father. And uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, I understand there are suicides going on. Possibly. In the, crypto, in the cryptocurrency market. It was a tweet put out by Charlie Gasparino before, right. mm-hmm. and we have to have Charlie Gasparino on mm-hmm. to find out who's committing suicide, who's jumping the out cl- of what window. The crypto potential. collapse. That's potential right. Potential suicides That's due right. to a cryptocurrency potential. It's all potential collapse. So far. And we're, we're on the phone now with uh, Jeffrey Weisenfeld. He was on last week, mm-hmm. and he is mad as hell and can't take it anymore. What's going on in the City College City Law University School. Law School. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's concentrated right now in the law school, but it's really a whole city university. You know, you, you, we're in an alternate universe here. Start at the, at the top. We know that all of the universities, most of them in the country with rare exceptions, you know, like Yeshiva university or Hillsdale, the universities are today training our students, our young people in revolution, everything that's against America and going out in the streets, tearing our history, destroying statues. And in this witch's brew, you have something else that happens to affect the Jewish community, which is a very high degree of anti-Semitism, because they hate Israel because they hate America, because of the way in which Israel is so tied to the United States. And so you have now this individual, her name is Nerdine Kiswani, a radical anti-Semite who is to be the commencement speaker of the City University Law School. Now, let me let me tell you why this is so horribly disappointing. You, City University was undergoing a renaissance when I was on the board with trustees like uh, Randy Mastro and Joe Loda. We were the trustees who were appointed by Pataki, by Giuliani, and by Bloomberg. Well, they're all gone now. So now, after that great renaissance that you had for about 13 or 15 years, we're now reverting to the CUNY of the 80s and 90s, which is a disgrace. 
the only exception I can think of is maybe Baruch because it's a business-oriented school, so you don't have as many crazies as you have on the others. This woman is part of a group uh, which commits violence against City University students and students throughout the country, just like Students for Justice in Palestine. They disrupt events. They beat up Jewish students. It is actually unsafe in many campuses, from 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 the very best to the ones that are very low-rated, to be a Jew on campus. It's just not safe today. You know, when Matt Goldstein was the chancellor of City University, I, I want to remind uh, the public, they will remember that just like there's an editorial against the CUNY Law School today, uh, nowadays, as it was on uh, over the weekend in the New York Post, at the time that I was on the board, would you believe that same law school, it's a joke to have a law degree from this school, they tried to have as commencement speaker and give an honorary degree to Lynn Stewart, who was then the lawyer for the blind sheik who blew up the World Trade Center the first time. Oh These are the kinds of people that the City University Law School honors. When, yeah. when Matt Goldstein was there, I was in the advisory board. We, he wouldn't have allowed something like that to happen, well, would he? No, and you know what? They lie and they say, oh, it's academic freedom to have hooligans at commencement speech is academic freedom. What did Matt Goldstein do to his credit when someone tried to do these kinds of things? He said, listen, I control the city university budget. You want this into your school? You want that program? You want this? You're not going to have these crazy people go and sully the name of our schools. And radicalize the students. Jeff, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I was, yeah. for many, for many years before I was on the bench, when I was a general counsel, city council, uh, one of the law schools I taught at was CUNY Law School. And the the mandate of that law school is to be a public interest law school in the public interest. It was supposed to be fair minded. It's supposed to be intelligent. It's supposed to be teaching lawyers a social responsibility. What we're having now is a mandate of who, that school. Who is the chancellor now? I, I don't even know, John. You know, his, his name, his last name is Matos Rodriguez. He happens to be a nice guy, but he's very weak. He used to be uh, when we were there. He was the president of Queens College, uh, and. Uh, I, I might have met him. He's a nice guy. I, well, here, I met him when he was president problem. of Queens here's, College. Here's the real problem. Two guys that you and I like. You know, it's it's a shame that almost, just the other day we were talking about the Ed Koch Bridge. Which you and I were talking about two Democrats we happen to respect and like, and we were disappointed that they want Ed Koch's name off the bridge. Well, you have two Democrats who we happen to like personally, Freddie Frere and Thompson, who who is the, the chairman, vice chairman of the Jeffrey, board. Jeffrey, we're out of time. And they have We'll, say. we'll talk more about it. Maybe we'll invite him on on uh, on the radio show he's been on before. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jeffrey Weisenfeld, and thank you, Judge Weinberg and Lydia Serrani. And we're hearing the music in the background. It's, it's what truth, justice, justice and, and the, the American, American way. way. That's what this show stands for. And uh, God bless New York, and God bless America, and God we bless. Need, we need it. We need it.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 